Welcome to the O Podcast, also known as the Only Women Entrepreneurs Podcast. I am Rosemary Tuscolini, your host, a former high school English teacher turned successful entrepreneur simply by pursuing a career in manufacturing. Now I run O, an initiative designed to empower young women to explore careers in construction, manufacturing, and entrepreneurship. Here, you'll discover inspiring success stories, valuable insights from women who have become their own boss and paved the way for generations of female entrepreneurs. Let's shatter stereotypes and build a more inclusive future together. We're excited to introduce Kate Lowe, a remarkable individual whose unconventional journey in the construction industry embodies resilience and empowerment. From her roots as a Marine Corps wife to her current role as owner at Pretty Pretty Precon, Kate's story resonates with those seeking to overcome obstacles and create meaningful impact. Join us as we dig into her insights and experiences. Hello, Kate, and thank you for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited. So am I. And our and our audience is excited to hear all about uh, Kate Lowe's story and uh, her um journey to entrepreneurship. So I'm looking forward to digging in. So before I, I, I ask you some questions, first of all, I would like to take the time to congratulate you on being selected as Future Leader of the Year 2023 by the National Association of Women in Construction. That's amazing. You know, can you tell our community what this association is about and how you earned this title? Sure. So um, we call it NAWIC. It's National Association of Women in Construction. Um, there are chapters in every state. And essentially what it is, it's a place for new college graduates to C-level executives where we get to brainstorm, promote. We work in professional development and education. We have lots of uh, philanthropic opportunities. We offer scholarships and continued education to people who want to move up in the construction industry. We also offer services for subs to meet GCs, to meet suppliers. It's a great kind of brain trust. That's what I like to think of it. I utilize the NAWIC network to the extreme. If I have a question, I find somebody that is a currently in that role, and you can call them and just ask them questions. We're kind of famous for the five-minute pitch, which is typically what you do, what I do, where you want to go, and how can I help you get there? And um, I was introduced to NAWIC by one of the engineers that I worked for as a general contractor, and I just emailed them. And I was like, hey, I want to join. And then I volunteered, and then I really dug in and participated. I hadn't done a lot of association work uh, based on my roles. That really wasn't something that I was encouraged to pursue. And it literally has changed my entire life because it is everything from personal development to professional goals, to pathways, to certifications. If y'all are not a part of this amazing association, get involved because it is very cool. And the best way to uh, find the association in the state is just to search the name. So if you go to nawic.org is the national website, they will tell you where your chapter is based on your location. And then usually chapters have their own websites with full directories and you can connect with them or just call the national office and they would be happy to point you in the right direction. Yeah, you know, that's an incredible uh, resource and I encourage our audience to uh 
use Google, search it out and check out what they have to offer because it sounds like uh, they have a lot of uh, good uh, resourceful tools for anyone who doesn't know anything about construction or people looking to uh, advance their skills. Thank you for um, introducing it to us. It's uh, very uh, insightful. Yes. Okay. So you are the current owner principal of uh, cost engineer at Pretty Pretty Precon. It's located in Atlanta, Georgia. The company's mission is to provide cost-effective and efficient cost estimating and consultation services to the commercial construction industry. Now, for our listeners who may be unfamiliar with construction industry or perhaps just starting out in in this type of career, can you please explain in detail the services your company offers? Sure. So I've worked in manufacturing and subcontracting before I got into the general construction trade where I was an estimator, pre-construction manager, and then I went to work for a developer after that. But essentially what, what I am and what we do, we're a niche boutique industry where my ideal client is busting his hump out in the job, knows exactly how to do the commercial work, knows what to do, has a great crew, but maybe isn't at the operational overhead to support an estimator in-house. So tip, so that's where I come in. So they're out doing their thing in the field and usually they're bidding and billing at night. So I take that bidding piece and I do it for them. Um, division 16 electrical low voltage um, special systems is where I advertise and promote, Mm -hmm. but you know, my goal with all my clients is to take them from like that one to $3 million up to that 10 to 20 million where they can graduate from me and hire an in-house estimator. And then their company can blow up and grow and they can do bigger projects. So when I started my company, I was like, what do I like to do? I like to do takeoffs. I love technical trades such as electrical and I had some relationships with some smaller contractors that really wanted to do work, but they were so busy building on site on active projects that they would miss the bid date. So I called them and I was like, what if I did it for you? And then, you know, you can just extrapolate. I give them color takeoffs. I give them mathematical calculations, assemblies, specification reviews, everything they need from that bidding phase. I will do for them up to about contracts administration. And then I step out. But what that allows them to do is run their crews and make money. And then they trust me. We build a relationship. I'm doing all their pre-con work and then they can keep going. So it's, it's, my niche boutique market is for that in-between. Like, you know how to do it, but you're not quite there, but you don't have the time to do it. And, you know, right now is very expensive to take on an employee. So I'm just filling this little gap of this little piece of the pie because it's my favorite thing to do. And it's been amazing. You know, that that's very insightful. Uh, as a business owner myself, uh, one thing that you mentioned, and it was a key component is 
Business owner can't do everything. They can't wear all the hats. They need to focus on things that they do best and they need to hire companies like Pretty Pretty Precon to outsource so that they can have extra time to work and focus on on their specialty. So I I encourage all businesses that are looking for those type of services to, to look you up because that saves you time, money, and you know what, you're able to probably, um, bid on other projects as well and, and have multi, uh, projects going on uh, at the same time. Yeah. And there, there are other companies that do similarly what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, they kind of umbrella all the trades and I do not do that simply because if I haven't worked for that subcontractor or that sub trade before, I take no ownership or responsibility to that. And, you know, ethics are very important to me, very strong. You need to, you know, be able to relate to your clients so it, it really is a trust factor on both sides and other companies that are similar to me kind of do a different billing that I find sketchy. Um, I bill okay. based only on billable hours. Right. And if they win the job, hopefully I keep the contract, right? Like I keep the client and we just move on to the next. There are other similar companies that what I do. And if you win the job, then you owe them X. And I don't like that model. So I do not do that. Oh, I'm glad you pointed it out because, you know, every company has a different uh, business model, right? And yours is unique and works for you. And as a client, if I was a potential client and just listening to what you said, I would seriously consider your services just based on, um, you know, your honesty and, uh, it would probably make me think you're you're more trustworthy than other companies that you are competing against. So, Kate, uh, can you take us through the unique path that led you to your current role at Pretty Pretty Precon? Yeah, you want the full the full story? Yeah, I'm sitting down and I'm listening. Open ears. Okay. Um. So I am a military wife. My husband is was active duty Marine for 13 years. We were married for seven of those years where he was active duty. Once a Marine, always a Marine. So still a Marine. Um, and we moved a lot. Uh, we got married when I was super young. We were super young. I was 22. Um, we moved to California where he was enlisted. And the job market for military spouses is minimum wage. Doesn't matter if you go an hour outside wow. or or right on the base, you're making minimum wage. It doesn't matter who you work for, you're making minimum wage. So we were in California and I enrolled in several different universities, finally found one that I liked, USC, and I couldn't get a job. Wow. <laughs> I, I worked you know, retail, food, beverage, you know, I did the whole like thing that you do in your twenties and that was fine. And then we started having kids and then we moved to South Carolina. So half the credits that I earned at the university in California got lost because I moved all the way across the country. Makes sense. So then I signed up at university of South Carolina and I was about to finish my degree. And then we moved again. And again, I, you know, took retail jobs. I took food jobs because there just wasn't a lot of opportunities, even if you're well-educated. So lost credits again, ended up finishing my degree online. Okay. So then we moved to Georgia and then he decided to go and be a private contractor overseas. So he did that for a couple of years. So I needed a job. I had two kids. 
my husband was gone. I needed something. So I went to my local temp agency and I was like, here, I have a degree. Uh, I don't have any, you know, office experience. Do you have anything for me? And they were, they just offered me more of the same. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just go and do kind of what I've been doing. Call me if you have anything interesting. So they called me a couple months later and it was for a manufacturing plant to answer phones for two weeks. So there it was. And I was like, you know what? It's an office job and I hadn't had one yet. And mm -hmm. I was like, I'll do it. Yeah, you bet. Even if it's two weeks. I was like, could it be longer? And they were like, no. And I was like, okay. So just to get my office experience, I went there and uh, I heard cursing, laughing yeah. and active problem solving. And I was like, where am I? What is this? Like, and I'm looking at all these people coming in and I started to learn their names. And then we got like a pretty good little break where I would go and I would just talk to people. Like it was like lunch break and everybody was kind of in the break room. And I was like, can I get a tour of the plant? And then like, Oh, what does this department do? And what does that department do? And I just asked a lot of questions about what everybody did and why I was hearing the conversations I was hearing. Okay. And they told me. And then my two-week contract was up, which I was, I was like, uh, okay, that was fun. You know, go back to the temp agency. Um, the temp agency called me about a week later with a straight offer to continue working at the plant nice. for the vice president of estimating and project management. Okay. And you better believe I took it. Oh, of course. Great opportunity so, there. Yeah. <laughs> So I started out just as a per hour employee being a, you know, admin assistant. And he was very kind and very lucky to have kind of adopted me into the way of what estimating is. So he gave me the harshest client that we had and they called them small quantities. Oh. They were like, look, the estimators, project managers don't have time for this but it's really small. So I'm going to show you how to do it. And I was like, okay, great. So then that led to another small quantity client and another small quantity client. And then one day he just came at me with a post-it being like, you're officially a junior estimator project manager. You're going to work under a senior project manager. And um, that I moved into the office with Pat Nesbitt and he could not have been more gracious to all of my questions. And he told me active problem solving and he told me the problems and he let me sit in the planning sessions at the manufacturing plant and really nourished, you know, my, my curiosity um, and saw that I had something that I wanted mm -hmm. and I had all the parts and pieces for it. And then I became a, full staff estimating project management. And I controlled all of extra space, public storage, storage, smart, uncle Bob's, anything that was their small quantity. And I was the small quantity estimator and I would have projects all over the country. I'd have 10, 20 projects going on at a time. Um, and it was great. I got great experience. And then I had the opportunity to learn a new trade and if you give me an opportunity to learn something new, I'm going to take it. Um, so I it went. Sounds to, like it. <laughs> yeah. So I went to 
Her industrial, which is an industrial wastewater treatment plant, water reclamation, manufacturing, industrial electrical contractor. And he taught me everything about the electrical trade. And he taught it to me. Jeff Herr is, was my mentor there. He's no longer with us. Um, but he told me the why on everything. And he would literally go through a project and explaining it in the way that I could understand everything. You know, example, like we have to install a light. How long does it take to get up to the ladder? How long does it take for the junction box? How long, like every part and piece, he broke it down over three years so that I could fully comprehend these complex projects. And then when I didn't know something, he would be like, great, you had a question about that? Go in the field for two weeks. They're doing it. And so I would go in the field for weeks at a time so that I could understand the process of why it gets installed this way based on the condition of the site, based on the schedule that the GC provided. And I get to sit in all these amazing meetings and I'd price negotiate with manufacturing and I'd go and walk the manufacturing plants. And it was just an incredible inclusion that he gave me the opportunity to do, um, you know, and and that's why I love the electrical trade because I can tell you exactly why. Um, then I worked for two general contractors where I was brought in to, they needed to create an estimating department. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to kind of turnkey create that at two different general contractors before I went to a developer where I was the development manager, pre-construction manager for every new construction build in the country that they were working on. And then I decided, really looked at my life and I was like, what do I like doing the most? I like doing takeoffs. I like providing people money. And my favorite piece of the job has always been the subcontractor. So now I'm an ally of the subcontractor Mm -hmm where they trust me, I trust them, and they know I have their best interests in heart and I want them to graduate past me. And then I'm going to move on to another small contractor. And that's just my way of paying it forward. But the GC world was not my favorite part. And the only reason why is that pre-construction is not seen as a pathway. It's all about being a project manager or being a C-suite executive I've been a project manager. That is a very specific personality type. That's a very specific job. And that shouldn't be the only commercial pathway. So what I'm trying to use with my own platform now is that pre-construction is a trade. It is a pathway. It is a powerhouse siloed position that you don't have to just graduate from to be a project manager. That's a lot of good information you provided with everyone. Sorry, that was a lot. I know. I, I, it was a lot, but you know what? It was very informative because that's an extensive um, past experience. And uh, so in summary, as someone who followed a, a non-traditional educational path, what advice would you offer to young aspiring uh, women looking to break into fields like yours or in construction in general? Associations and networking are incredible. At the college level, they do have construction associations. Um, Kennesaw State has KWIC. Um, they're wonderful, you know, entry pathways. I would also say get in the internship game early. There are really big GCs that do really powerful stuff that will let you help really early in your career while you're still a student. If you're like me and you found your passion later in life, 
certifications are the new college degree for construction. Yes, I do not have a degree in construction management. I do not have an engineering or an architectural degree, but I have 17 certifications and every one makes me just as valuable as everybody else. And it's because of I put in the time and the experience, plus I self-certify. So I'll, I'm always doing continued education mm-hmm. and you just add to your, you know, and inexpensively, NAWIC offers you know, really great certifications at really discounted prices. Um, But then, you know, all the general ones to PMI, which is Project Management Institute, wonderful. Um, You know, I've got my CPE certified professional estimator. All of those are really great things. They really don't take that much time. The only thing you got to watch is those CRU credits. So if you have to do continued required education credits, just be mindful of that. But go for certifications. You do not have to go back to school to do this job. You know, that's very encouraging because not only am I, um, you know, encouraging young females to get into alternative careers, but I'm finding more and more women, they start off uh, in a career. For example, myself, I started off in teaching, but um, I just found out that it wasn't for me. So I I go, what else can I do? But just hearing that it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. Uh, or whether you have any educational, like higher education experience, or one or none uh, in terms of certifications, there are opportunities for you to brush up on your skills and, and become a very knowledgeable pretty quickly on your own with um, self-development, basically. Yeah. And honestly, I've always had the personality where if I don't know a question, I will ask. And I have found that construction industry professionals are they have a wealth of knowledge and they would love to pay that knowledge forward. So if you don't know something, I go and knock on the biggest door I can find and you just ask the question and they will point you in the right direction, whether they can help you or not. And I think that's another step that women in the construction industry are missing. We tend to get opportunities only as it's a last resort versus um, men typically will go through mentorship and sponsorship. So I've always fought for my own mentorship and sponsorship. And you just ask the question, somebody will want to help you and they will point you to the person that will do that for you. Yeah, that's true. I I, I find that wherever you you need your questions asked, go go search them. There's always somebody that will mentor you or or answer the questions you have so that you can get those satisfied, move on to, you know, a better progression in, in your career development. Um, so any woman that works in construction or manufacturing, they face numerous challenges. Can you provide uh, our listeners with an example of one that you had to overcome? And how do you think your experiences can inspire others to tackle obstacles and thrive in their ventures? Um, yes. So <laughs> I've had to overcome a few things. Um, in my experience at a certain location, I had to prove that I could do the job before I was given the job. Um, while other people were given opportunities based on trust and thought of they can do this. I came from the point of getting buried in it and then not getting paid out forward. So uh, example, I worked for a very big product line 
And I had grown that product line from 3 million to 30 million by myself in a year. That's wow. (laughs) Congrats on that accomplishment. Thank you. Um, I, I went to my direct manager and I asked him why I wasn't paid the same as people that were doing the same job as me with less product approval, less win hit ratios and less profit. So my profit was coming. So what I did is I created a spreadsheet, project budget, project contract value, my job description, my job description plus everything else that I did, my buyout ratio, my budgets. I gave them this giant spreadsheet that showed, you know, 47 projects in a year with the win hit ratio. And, and the feedback that I was told was I don't have the education that the other people have. And my response was, but I'm doing the job. Mm -hmm. And the other feedback that I got was that you should not salary share. And then an email wide industry went out and I went back directly to my supervisor and I was like, why, why can't we, and why can't we salary share? And they were like, well, cause that's private. And I was like, nowhere did I sign that? Nowhere is that written in the handbook? And if I'm doing the job, why am I not getting the, you know, and for me as an estimator, it's all based on um, bonuses and a bonus structure. And the answer was just no. So my next question was, okay, how do I get there a month from now? And he was like, you can't. And I was like, how do I get there three months from now? And he's like, you can't. And I was like, okay. And then a few days later, I was taken to HR and I was told I was being laid off. And I asked, is this a layoff or is this a dismissal? And they responded that it was a layoff. And I was like, okay, so am I eligible for rehire if the position comes back available? And they said no. Oh. You see the tie-in there? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. So so I I brought it up in a way of how can I improve to get to that salary level? Right. And their response was, you can't. And that was just not a place for me to stay. And now they are doing great with like seven employees that are doing the same amount that I was doing. Yeah, I, I don't understand that. Uh, it's just by my own personal experience, you know, when you bring on a team with uh, male and female uh, employees, you you get so much out of it because each person, we're individuals and we bring individual perspectives. Like I may see something um, that is completely different or not in line with my colleague, but you know what? We're working as a team. We want to have the best uh, results um, possible, right? So that in what the end result is to make a profit, right? And of course, bonuses and, and doing well and expanding the company. But if you don't expand your, your workforce to include diversity, then uh, you know what? The company eventually does suffer. And in, you know, in most cases, they do fail. Yeah. And you know, it, it was a blessing in disguise for me because I did go on to find an opportunity that paid in line. And that's why I love the construction industry. The pay gap is so small. And if you're at a place that you have a big pay gap from women to men, if you're doing the work, then leave there 
because that is not the industry norm. This industry, you are apples to apples. And, um, you know, that was a, that was a lesson that I learned kind of mid-career. And that's okay, because it led me to bigger and better things. But I didn't, I don't have any bad feelings about that. I just, you know, hope that they are more open to unconventional employees like me, because I have a strong value add and I prove it. Um, but then, you know, when an employee comes up to you and they say, what can I do? And your answer is nothing, then you're just squashing the bug and there's no incentive for somebody to stay at that point. So companies that don't offer professional development for lower level employees, I think they're really missing an opportunity because they offer it for higher level opportunity, higher level employees as like bonuses and perks. But professional development should be brought on in-house for everybody so that, you know, even if it's that paid additional, you know, PMP or whatever it is, right. that's a higher value add. But like bring something into your office that, you know, maybe a one lump sum half day thing that can give everybody an opportunity to grow. Yeah, those those are great uh, pieces of advice. Very insightful. Thanks for sharing them. So you're highlighted uh, the importance of perseverance in male-dominated sectors, which is good because a lot of um, younger generation, they feel that if they are rejected or they experience failure, that, oh, you know what, maybe I'm not good at it. And um, it's important to get the message out there that resilience and not giving up, having a strong mindset is something that's going to get you towards your career goals. So how can others learn from your journey and contribute to shaping uh, inclusive narratives in their industries? So I would say that if you don't like your current role, look at what the sector you're in, right? So I've worked in manufacturing, loved it. Worked as a subcontractor, loved it. Worked as a GC, got great experience, but that wasn't the place for me. Um, say, same as development. I learned a ton and it and it was great growth and I, things that I didn't learn, but also it kind of told me that maybe not my path. So if somebody's working at a manufacturing plant and they're like, I just don't know, that doesn't mean the whole construction industry is out. It might just mean that you need to pivot. You know, if you're in marketing and you're having a struggle time, maybe business development, maybe, you know, but don't quit just based on what your one experience is, because the construction industry has something for everybody. And you don't know unless you apply. And the we're losing people are, you know, we had the great recession or, um, you know, uh, great resignation, you know, there was a a hard construction stopgap from 2008 to 2013 of hiring freezes. So those that are retiring now, they're going to be gone. And the replacement for that is unfortunately, because there was a five, six, seven, eight year gap, there's a lack of industry knowledge. Mm -hmm. And if those people that are retiring don't get to push that knowledge forward, we're all at a disadvantage. Like, because there's not as many trainers, there's not as many uh, managers for us to do. So it's not just based on longevity at a company, it's based on value add to your career. So if, you you know, I dealt with a young woman who feels like she's not given the personal time and the work time. And, you know, I encouraged her to reach out to 
put feelers out there for other companies because now there are amazing roles called directors of people and DEI culture directors. And it's literally their job to make sure that you have that home life, work life balance, mm-hmm. continued education and inclusion in the industry. So like, that's who I would go see and be like, what's a different pathway? Cause I'm clearly not liking this or what else can I do? Always go to your own company first, because likely there's somebody, there's some opening in another department. They already know they like you. They already know you can work really good there. You've already been working there. So it's just a lateral, you know, shift change to a different department. So I always encourage women to, or men to try, try something else. If you don't like GC, go to a sub. If you don't like a sub, go to a manufacturer. If you don't like manufacturing, go to a developer, go to a logistics, go to real estate, but they all offer something different. So if you're having struggles, don't quit just because that one subsector of this great industry doesn't work for you. That's that's really good advice. Uh, so based on your diverse experiences, how can women utilize stories of uh, perseverance and growth to inspire each other and foster a sense of community? Share it. Share it. Um, you know, NAWIC, I run the PD&E committee. It's professional development and education. And my number one question is, what do you want to learn this week? What do you want to see next time? And if there's somebody that's new that really wants to get involved I, I try to put them on panels. So like if they don't feel like they can carry an event themselves, I'll put them on a discussion panel. So we've had young women in the industry panels. We've had, you know, CEO suite level panels. We've had sub panels. So I use my association to find out other people's point of view. But there are also like amazing female PPE brands out there that mm-hmm. want to share your story. So like just Google what what's out there because somebody wants to help you write about it, reach out. You know, I'm on LinkedIn all the time. And if somebody sends me a comment, I'm always reaching back out. I, I do, you know, drinks and lunches and whatever with somebody that, that wants to, because it's not about my network, but it's about, I call it you plus two. It's, it's not who I know, but it's who Rosemary knows. And if I tell Rosemary my goal she's going to ripple that out. And then you plus two gets bigger and then it gets bigger. And then I, all of a sudden I get this wonderful message like, Hey, Sharon Milton said, I should connect with you. I just wanted to reach out. Great. I didn't know this person, but this person might be able to help me get to that next step. Right. That, that's absolutely true because um, you uh, came to me through LinkedIn and uh, I, I really appreciate that professional uh, connection. Also, I would not have uh, heard of uh, Kate Lowe of uh, Pretty Pretty Precon. And, you know, we're now we're here having this discussion. So very, very important. I'm glad you uh, highlighted that. So your um, experiences underscore the importance of embracing challenges as opportunities. How can individuals contribute to and benefit from supportive ecosystem of shared experiences and mutual upliftment? I think it's what you make it. You know, um, I've had personal fouls. I've had professional fumbles. Like I'm sure people are watching this and, you know, and, and that that's fine, right? Like um, it's the whole adage of um, I don't live in that house anymore. Like who I was five years ago is not who I am now. 
I will say associations have completely matured me. I would not have done anything that I've done in the past three years without them. Um, and that's just because of encouragement from other people. Mm -hmm. But it really is scary. Um, but who who you are now is not who you're coming. So, you know, there there's like a post that's going around and it's like, if you're uncomfortable, post it. If you don't want to share it, share it. Because at least it gives you that first step. And in my life, you know, I, you know, I've had problems with my children and my spouse and, and life. And I just, I don't take it as a blame or a negative on myself. Like, you know, yeah, hiding under the covers isn't going to do anything for me. And if anybody is going to care about my career, it's me. And I was talking to my friend the other day and she said that she wanted to be a professional actress when she was in high school. And she's like, that's like a one in a billion opportunity. And I just said to her, your life is a one in a billion opportunity. Like, you know, she was a military spouse. You know, now she's an officer in JAG. Like she's doing amazing things. She's a part of like all these cool things. And I'm like, right. But that's a once in a lifetime opportunity. So it really is what you make it. So there are plenty of people that, you know, hate and smash and whatever. And that's just life. But I don't take it personal because I don't I don't live in the judgment of that person because I'm working on myself and who I exactly. am now is better than who I was two years ago. And what I'm doing now will be a huge impact to my life two years from now. So I'm live for my future self. Yeah. And I really enjoyed uh, listening to that. That was a good spin. You know, I, I look at uh, each day as an increment for uh, learning experience each day. If I come out uh, learning just one thing, I'm better for it. Right. And if I can um, put out some positivity and, and help someone, then you know what, we've also created a better space. So I, I'm, I'm in hundred percent agreement with what you just said. Um, Considering your uh, dedication to learning and development, how can our audience balance their ambitions with self-care and maintaining a healthy work-life harmony? So certifications um, that I mentioned earlier are really designed for working professionals. Most of them give you six months to a year to complete the education, and it might only be six hours worth of content. Right. So you don't have to lose your mind doing it. It's not like regular college, and it's not even like an organized cohort. It's as you're able. And a lot of the additional certifications, thanks to you know the pandemic, are now offered proctored online. So you don't even have to go to testing centers. Usually, you know, most certifications I've done, you get two hours to four hours to do them. Right. It's plenty of time. This is not like middle school where you can't like cheat and have notes. Like this, we're adults and we all have calculators on our phones and, you know, we have supercomputers in our pockets, but it's just the theory of what you're doing. So like my sort of, I've done certifications that have taken me a year, even though it was only 12 hours worth of content, because my whole life, I call it juggling fire chainsaws. I just have like six <laughs> in the air at a time and I'm just trying not to get burned and my arms sliced off. Yeah. So I'm doing, you know, like four certifications right now, but I have a year to complete them. So I do them over lunch while I'm eating my sandwich. I'll literally hit record on my computer, which is a 
system on everybody's computer. Now you right. get recorded and it will share your screen and then I'll just go back and watch it. And then during the proctored test, you can always have your notes because again, this is not high school SATs. This is adult certification exactly. for continued learning. So it's, you know, so if that's what's stopping you thinking that it's not, they want you to get these certifications and there are, you know, AGC is Association of General Contractors of Georgia. I'm I'm with them. I'm a blueprint reading instructor. You know, we want you to succeed. I'm not going to throw any trick questions out there because I want to stump somebody. I want to know what they want to learn and the easiest way. So if they're a kinetic learner, I'm audio and I'm visual. If they're a neurodiverse learner, right. I'm letting them take pictures and screenshots and sending them. So it just depends but it, it's not school. It is a value add to your career. Oh, that just gives you a sigh of relief because everyone hated taking tests at school, right? And uh, just being reassured now you're, you're doing it and they, they want to make sure you succeed, you get your certifications and that way you can be successful in whatever career that you uh, eventually decide to um, follow. So you mentioned earlier in the interview that... Um, you had a few mentors in your uh, past experience. Can you elaborate on how the mentorship contributed to your growth and how they played a role in or can play a role in enabling and empowering someone to overcome challenges in general? Um, yeah. So I, I, again, like I said, I started by just knocking on a door and asking if I could help when I had free work, when I was kind of an admin assistant, right. um, I would just check with my boss and be like, Hey, can I see what the other estimators are doing? And he'd be like, Oh my God, yes, please go help them. They're losing their minds. Cool. Um, so I would just go and knock on the door and ask how I could help. And they would give me a small piece. And then I always asked why, because I've, I've never been thought of myself as just data entry or I get it done and I'm like on my phone. Like, no, I want to know what I'm doing because I'm trying to be an industry asset and not a liability. So I would always ask why. And likely they don't have the time to tell you right now. But then you ask, can I check back in with you or can you call me when you're doing this? And they will. Construction industry especially managers, senior levels, people with over 15 years of experience, they want to pay it forward. So I just always ask the question. And then from that question, it would, you know, be like, okay, I have a concern or I have a challenge. So like, if I couldn't, if I knew I was doing something wrong, I'd be like, I'm challenged by, you know, right. so it's all about the words because construction industry, as you know, especially for manufacturing is very negative. So you have to think about who you're talking to and how they're going to perceive it. So if you like dump your drama on them, good luck. Right. But yes. if you're like, this is, can you explain this again? And literally every job I've ever had, I buy a blank notebook. And every time I ask a question, I fill it up. It's full of pages, colored takeoffs. Like, I mean, everything for every question that's ever been asked. I have one for every job I've ever had. And it's just a way that I can recall what they said without bothering them. Um, again, there's, you know, recorded on your, your computer. It's on all the computers. It's great. You know, chat GPT. That's a great software that I use for, you know, training videos too. Um, but you just have to value people's time. Yes. 
and don't come to them with a problem, come to them from a place of solutions. You know, so like if you're applying for a job, like ask the question, what's the, what, what's a solution or what's, what's a, a negative statement that was a concern by the last business development manager, if I'm applying for business development and they'll be like, okay, well, this was a challenge. And then you turn that into a strength, right? So, so even with problem solving or like, Hey, I don't know how to calculate steel. And they're like, well, I don't have time. Then I'm Googling how to calculate steel. And then I'm coming to them with, okay, I understand it to this. I don't understand this variable. Next time you're working on this variable, can you call me? I just want to watch. And then yes, they will call you. And then while you're watching, just ping a few questions in there. And then next time you do it, can you look at how I did this? You know, and ask, like people don't want you to reinvent the wheel. They don't expect you to be, oh, you know, the creator of everything. They will share their resources. I I send Excel spreadsheets to people all the time because I've already done it. And here you go, just fill in here, here, here. And I'll explain the why later if I don't have time. But it's it doesn't have to be so it's all on you. Use what you have. Perfect. You know, and, and you're right. I, I find the willingness to share in any industry. It's out there as long as you're you're willing to ask for help. And maybe, you know, if you're not sure of something, get that guidance. Because like you said, there's always someone out there, whether it's in an association, whether it's uh, in um, uh, social media platforms like LinkedIn, someone out there is willing to provide you with that information at, at no charge, which is a great thing, right? Yeah, Absolutely. So Kate, your career path reflects uh, embracing a passion-driven spirit. It's very evident. How can individuals harness their own passions to not only thrive in business, but also lead fulfilling lives? Um, Again, I'm, I'm big on the Excel spreadsheet, y'all. So I would do a pros list, what you like to do. Okay. Absolute pros. Absolute nots. Like I absolutely will not do this. Okay. And then you go and you talk to an ally about, you know, usually someone more senior, a college professor, you know, a a parent, whoever, and be like, this is what I like. And let's see what it is. Because again, you know, even if you have a relationship with somebody, they can show you where your strengths will rely on. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I didn't know, I just like fell into it. Right. Like, and I was like, this is awesome. They're cursing and yelling and explaining why, like, it's great. (laughs) Um, But you know, and again, I didn't stick with every industry for, you know, forever. I didn't. And that's just not, I just didn't want to waste my time somewhere where I didn't feel like I was empowered. And that was a professional decision on me that relates poorly or positively depends on your, you know, psychological swing. But Eventually I found my place, but I only found that because I troubleshooted what I like to do versus what I don't like to do. And again, that's why like I'm really strong on this pre-construction is a pathway because that's not the industry standard. And that's insane. Like it's insane. What are we doing? Like why? Um, So I just like to bring, you know, and again, it's all about building relationships. Like, you know, maybe 20, 30 years ago, it was all done on the golf course. You will never find me on the golf course. It's all <laughs> today done through associations and, you know, 
bigger associations will introduce you to bigger contractors, bigger executives, bigger companies. But it's not always about the biggest. It's about, to me, it's about the most impactful. Right. And that is always growth. And that's why I specialize in small contractors so that they can graduate and have their own team. Okay. That was very good. Uh, So how do you envision individuals making most uh, of platforms like, oh, that provide insights, resources, connections to drive their businesses and ambitions forward as seen in your journey? So again, we're going to ask the question, right? Like if I, if I tag on to something that was made in this podcast, I really recommend for you to use LinkedIn or direct and shoot Rosemary an email because you're going to ask a question that she maybe hasn't heard from, or you're going to bring a perspective that she's like, oh, that's great. And I bet other people want to know that too. Because if you have the question, you are not the only person in the room. And then, you know, LinkedIn If there's somebody or a company that you want to connect to, you go and you view their profile. Instead of viewing their posts, you view their comments and then you start communicating with them directly through comments. So you'll either start following who they follow to kind of see the cultural intelligence of the company or maybe their their ethical resolutions. Like my LinkedIn is all about female empowerment. Like it says it on my banner from all my content. Um, So you get a sense of who I am, but by me clicking on who they're commenting on, and I just learned this from from M Squared and and Mayra Martinez, but you click their comment and then Mm -hmm. you're in whatever feed they're in. So I've joined groups and like PMI was a perfect example, Project Management Institute before I got my PMP, because one person that I followed made a comment on it. So I clicked on it and then I started following that. And I was like, what is this? Yes, I'm here for everything. And then, and now we've gotten connected, but it's not just a cold solicit, but so you can kind of see where the pond that they're in. And if you want a similar path, do what they did. Don't reinvent the wheel. Okay. I'm going to try that next time on LinkedIn. You just gave me some valuable information. Thank you so much. Yeah, You're right. It's kind of awkward when you're on social media and and you, you're you interested in connecting with that person, but you don't want to do a, a cold solicitation, right? And sometimes it turns people off and you know they won't respond to that, but that that's a very smart way of approaching that. Thanks. Uh, so I wanted to ask you about uh, your career path underscores the impact of seizing opportunities and embracing growth. How can women entrepreneurs utilize these insights to shape their own paths and achieve success? So the construction industry is really big. Um, I am a teeny, teeny niche, tiny sliver of the pie will like, you know, blow my business up. So I recommend finding your niche. What, again, pro and con, what do you like to do? What do you not like to do? Who do you like to work with? Who do you not like to work with? So it's a challenge because my business just started officially this month last year. Yay. And another milestone. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, I just kind of had to take whatever work came my way. And that's just business and that's just life. But now I'm honing in on my favorites and prioritizing my customers so that I can get more of those. So it is hard if you're just like taking whatever you can get to bring money in. And that is the biggest challenge for any new business. 
Um, but like finding your niche is really the way that you're going to start getting your value add gold clients. And the easiest way is when you find one, ask for a reference. You know, I I literally called up my local mayor electrical supply and I told them what I did. I just called this, I called the counter sales guy and I was he was like, hey, it's Chris. And I was like, what up, Chris? I need your small electrical contractors that have less than 10 people. Can I have their phone number and their name? And he said, yes. And I left them all messages. And one of them called me back and is now a really good client of mine. And so then I did the same thing with City Electric. And I just, and I called their territory manager and I was like, look, I want electricians that do projects under a million dollars in Atlanta. Okay, send it to them. Didn't hear anything back. So, but again, like I, I call them, I email them and I text them. Right. So, you know, and again, so, you know, it's not necessarily like marketing is really important. It's also very expensive, but if somebody is, I have a website, but it's only to legitimize myself and 90% of the viewers of my website are competitors. So I don't leak (laughs) any trader information on there. It's very generic. It, my company, my logo is fun. And it's just because I, uh, you know, I can be because it's mine and I live and die on my own brand and I'm okay with that decision. So, you know, not everybody agrees with what I do and that's okay with me because that's my decision as an owner. But, you know, think about who your niche is and then again, you're you plus two, right? So like if you're not ready to work with Holder or Turner, you know, you want to work with a little GC, mm-hmm. like call around, you know, look on Facebook, like call your local permitting office and see who's built something under 2,500 square feet. Like it's all public record or it's all based on the question. But like, you know, when I was trying to get more electrical contractors, I just called the local supply house and told them what I needed because they get paid based on that guy making contracts. So they, they, they have no reason to silo that information. That's very, very good advice. Uh, You won't find those really in, um, Books and universities and business courses, right? It's, it's from personal experience that um, you uh, you find out about these things and you're able to share. That's terrific. So your your path empo- embodies the essence of resilience. And how can women business leaders utilize shared experiences and insights to uplift one another, foster growth, and celebrate accomplishments? Um. I use LinkedIn a lot. I do a lot of blog posts. I also blog for a couple associations and I just put it out there. Um, It's social media and email and the World Wide Web. We all know it's, it's a hostile place and the construction industry too is a very anti-accommodating industry, but you just have to read, reread, and and share your story or connect with people that you find. Again, like I use LinkedIn all the time and I try to find people with similar pathways or right. I find like um, anybody that has a cool picture or it's putting up jobs or whatever, and I'll try to share it and save it and comment. Um, but for those who don't have such a strong identity yet, 
think about stepping outside of your comfort zone and find people that you have similar ideas with and just like it and read it and then see how, you know, I, I was writing a lot before I ever posted anything because I was trying to find my author's voice. Right. Um, but I mean, there, there are haters everywhere. I mean, it's just in the industry and, you know, especially being a woman in the industry, cause you have to prove yourself, which yes. I can do. Um, but it's just your basic comfort level. So like I I just get on and start reading blogs, reading books. I've got like four or five different books I'm always reading at the same yes. time. I'm just going to try to pull some of them. Oh, I'm doing The Seven Principles right now okay. by Henry Nutt. 86 pages. Read this. Oh, that's easy. And I'm doing 15 Invaluable Laws for Growth. So I, I try to organize and based on, and this is what I do in my car. But I always get to every meeting 15, 20 minutes early and I just read. Um, but your career will be what you make it. And there are so many new opportunities and there are so many new career pathways that want you to be included and they want you to work for them that if you're not happy with what you're doing, go do something else because it, you know, and that's, in my whole career is trying to figure out what I like to do. Um, and it's trial and error. But like, again, you're like one, you're one in a billion. Nobody else is doing what you did. Nobody else is doing it the way right. you did. Nobody has that path that you did. So while we all want to be Jennifer Lawrence, I wouldn't trade Kate Lowe for that. Well, well said. And I would have to agree with that. I, I, I consider it like everyone is a Mona Lisa, a masterpiece. And it's what you make of it, right? And uh, that's really good that you summed that up very nicely. So you did provide us with a lot of insights for our community. So if they have any questions regarding a career in construction or perhaps require your company services, where on social media can they find you? Uh, so my website is www.prettyprecon.com. And I love when my clients have to say that because all my clients like really big, burly electrical guys. <laughs> and they say it's two pretties and a pre-con. And then everybody else just says it's PPP. But you can find me on LinkedIn, pretty, pretty pre-con. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. Everything is at pretty, pretty pre-con. Um, we're just a fun brand. And, you know, the the logo and, and the... Um, name is just a juxtaposition on on me being a female in the industry um I but, figured that <laughs> yeah but it's it's Brilliant. you know yeah I mean and it's 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 just it's good marketing we bring a splash of pink to the blue collar industry but you know I mean I've got contractors everywhere from concrete to painting to electrical there are some trades I don't work with right. um and that's a personal choice on my behalf. That's because it's not my background. Right. Um, I'm also starting a new company called Pre-Construction and it's uh, blueprint reading services. So if you need that for your office, your team, I have it on my website for digital downloads. But um, if y'all need a personal consultation, hit me up. My email is C-A-I-T. So Kate, short for Caitlin, at prettyprettyprecon.com. That's fantastic. I use uh, pink too. If you look behind me, I have my my pink construction hat. And yes, uh, yeah, I love the color pink all over construction sites and manufacturing. So, yep. 
I, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. I would appreciate it if uh, everyone could share the episode that others have an opportunity to learn about alternative career choices in manufacturing or construction. I would love to hear some feedback so that I'm providing you with some valuable information. You can reach me at um, my website, onlywomenentrepreneurs.com. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you don't miss out on our next episode. Thank you so much. And um, I uh, really enjoyed this uh, episode uh, with you, Kate. All the best. Thank you. Thank you.